श्री गोरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जय गोर भक्त बिंद की जय गोर प्रेम गुड इवनिंग एवरीवन एज मोस्ट ऑफ यू नाउ हु सिटिंग विथ मी एंड अदर्स इन रिसेंट सेशंस वी हैव बीन डिस्कसिंग द auspicious invocation to um the shri chaitanya charitamrita which is a a very um, significant book in our lineage arguably the most significant book the um the title of the book we haven't explained i'll take a minute to do that here shri chaitanya charitamrita it um it speaks about well chaitanya means consciousness hmm? and charit means character hmm? amrit means uh, it means immortal and uh, sometimes it's rendered like the uh, like immortal nectar like the a uh, elixir or drink of the gods the proverbial fountain of youth hmm? so it's a very interesting title shri chaitanya shri has significance as well but shri chaitanya charitamrita hmm? speaks about the idea that consciousness has character that's very interesting hmm? because we tend to think of consciousness as being um indeterminate if you will hmm? in as much as well it's it's the theater of subjective experience and as such it's uh, arguably categorically different from the objective world that is experienced hmm. and because everything we experience with our orientation towards the objective world is objective and a thing and we by contrast are not a thing there's nothing to compare ourselves with or to compare consciousness to so it starts to appear when we think of it like this as as we only can the consciousness must be well characterless hmm qualityless indeterminate but the title of this book speaks about a a, a, de- a determinate nature of consciousness consciousness with character hmm in immortality hmm and um thus the book seeks to take us far beyond 
the very beginning idea that um, consciousness is different from matter, which is what any spiritual tradition, in one sense, um, of value and is thereby ego effacing. Hmm? Um, speaks to us about in to one extent or, or another. Hmm? This is the basic idea. Hmm? But Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita speaks then uh, uh, about the the possibilities that lie hmm, uh, ahead, so to speak, for consciousness within the subjective world as through mysticism and a particular spiritual approach it enters deeply within uh, that world. Many possibilities there. So it's a very interesting um, subject. It just happens that that the, the, the person who embodies the, the arguably the fullest measure of experience of um, the subjective world who is the main figure of the text is named Chaitanya also. Hmm? Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. So, a very important book, very interesting book, a very, I want to say, relevant book. Hmm? As much as uh, who are we is a relevant question. <laughs> what are we? Why are we? and so forth. So we've been discussing the invocation to this book. And um, we come tonight to the third of 14 verses that that constitute that uh, auspicious introduction. Obviously, we won't get through them all in our discussions here um, in Poland. But um, if we discuss a little about the third verse tonight, um, we would be following what we've been doing. Um, of course, we have been interspace, interspersing such discussions on these verses with question sessions. Um, we could turn this into just a question session, but I thought I'd speak very briefly on this verse, which is difficult to do because it's a very um, significant verse with um, huge implications and ramifications. Um, and and because it's a verse uh, of tattva, uh, it's a philosophical verse, it speaks more about the, 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 the canvas if you will, or the ground hmm, on which the, the the love dance of being, if you will, in rasa, hmm, anandam, hmm, deep in the subjective world, takes place. Uh, the ground, uh, the canvas, I want to say, is often not as interesting as the art that's drawn on it. It's not as um, sweet and charming. Hmm? stretches your brain a little bit um, and rather than just kind of pumping the heart, so to speak. But then again, I mean, ultimately we we are interested in a wise love. Hmm? We're interested in love. The book is about love. Hmm? 
uh, but wise love. So it's appropriate to talk about the ground, if you will, of the being, or the, as I say, the canvas on which the art of Leela is drawn. The book is about Leela and Leela Seva, the possibility of entering into the play of God deep within the subjective world, so deep within it that God is playing so well within it that God loses sight of God's godhood. Hmm? It's a very extraordinary idea. Hmm? But an idea that, uh, if properly understood, um, makes room for the possibility that we could have a union with our source in intimacy. Hmm? Um, Because if the Godhead, our source, is fully aware of its or of of the Godhead's position of power and majesty and so forth, and we are aware of it as well, hmm? then it will create some distance. If I told you I was God and I'm not, but if I said I was and you believed you, you might say, oh my God, and move back a little bit, when in fact I want to get closer to you. So... Um, the idea is that uh, that for the sake of intimacy between the, the, the finite atma, unit of consciousness and its source, the source has to take on a finite-like appearance and sensibilities also. Hmm? And while that may be at the loss of omniscience and a sense of omnipresence, hmm? those losses are actually gains hmm? because omnipresence sounds great but you can't move if you're already everywhere so all, all of a sudden it becomes a problem if you should attain it hmm? and omniscience sounds attractive also but it's problematic in that if you know everything well, it's boring hmm? and so hmm? <laughs> The Leela solves these problems. Mm. These are divine problems mm, of the Godhead. The Leela solves them, and we have a part to play in that because Leela is a play, and um, you need others to play with. Mm. So, the idea of the book, of course, is that there's there's a realm. Mm. There's deep within the subjective world, which is again the real world. The objective world that we're so tied to and so uh, identified with is, as we say in common English parlance, here today and gone tomorrow, if not tonight. Hmm? Um, Our waking experiences hmm, of things are only given more credibility than our dream experiences because they last a little bit longer. But how much longer? When we look at the entirety of the span of time, which has no beginning in our worldview, that's not much to do with time, is it? It has no beginning. In other words, in infinite time, if you will, we've got a lot of time. Our waking experiences 
from another vantage point start to look as insignificant in terms of their endurance as our dream experiences, which, because of their lack of endurance, you know, we 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 don't even remember them. They 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 change so rapidly. The prince becomes a monster hmm, in the dream, and we better forget about it. Something that. But our waking life is, is like that too. <laughs> Often the prince may become a monster. Hmm. Um, it happens. So uh, anyway, hmm, uh, the objective world, we, we, we are so tied to it, so identified with it. And we know at the same time, it's just a passing thing. Hmm. Um, really, the truth is that I believe that um, humanity does not really celebrate itself hmm, in the full sense of the term of celebration. But what humanity celebrates is the transcendence of itself. That's what it celebrates. Whenever humans go beyond human limitations, and do something wonderful, true, hmm? real, hmm? Um, kind, hmm? beyond our human frailties. These are the things that are celebrated. Hmm? And 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 where do we go if we go beyond our humanity? I mean, on the food chain, we appear to be at the top. So where do those people go? Hmm? Hmm? Where do they go to get the kind of character that is celebrated in human society in an enduring way? Hmm? They have to go within, actually, don't they? They have to draw from within some something beyond that, that, that allows them to be objective and transcend uh, uh, nationalism and racism and uh, sexism and, and so on and so forth and do the right thing even though it's, it's, it may be at the cost of my humanity. Hmm? They do the right thing, and even they may die in the course, hmm? and they are celebrated. So what's really celebrated in human society is the, is the, is the possibility hmm? of transcending our humanness. Hmm? And um, in this way, we, what I want to say is universally by speaking about it like this, in human society, we believe in the subjective world. Hmm? That, it's, that, that, that more can be accomplished there. There's something more than humanity, more than what meets the eye and the mind. And, and we are a particle of that more. Hmm? And it's not human. It's not Polish. It's not American. It's not uh, European, Western, Eastern. It's not male. It's not female. Hmm. Hmm. It's not a. It's not anything. It's not a thing. Hmm. It's what gives things meaning and so forth and value. Hmm. So to go within that world and to play in that world. Hmm, and to be a, a, a participant hmm, in solving God's problem, hmm, 
I mean, this is very interesting. These are interesting ideas. God's problem of omnipresence. God's problem of omniscience. Hmm? To be a partner, a player in that, by which the God can play. And if he plays, hmm, then then the omniscience has to recede. There has to be some unknowing. And there has to be, in play, there has to be some movement also. And so the, what is the force then that, by which this playing is successful in movement and, and so forth, that is the force of of love because it is a love play and love requires um, more than one it requires reciprocal um, dealings hmm? so to be a player in that this is a huge idea and I'm saying this is a huge idea in comparison to the simple idea that there's a difference between myself and the objective world that I'm consciousness and I matter hmm? and matter doesn't matter hmm? unless I matter about it, hmm? unless it matters to, to, to me or some other conscious entity. That's a huge idea. It's an idea that just kind of like fits, but just doesn't quite fit in between our ears. It's like, yes, I... Yeah. It, it's, it's, it, we're talking about ourself here. Hmm? And we transcend not only our physical senses, but our mental and intellectual faculties. Hmm? And, but with our mental and intellectual faculties, we are trying to understand that self hmm? that transcends these faculties. And because we actually are starting to talk about ourselves or what we're not, and it's freeing, has kind of a liberating type of, that feels kind of good. I can't quite grasp the thought, but you're not supposed to be able to. Hmm. This is the point, because it transcends thought, and thought is an oppressor. Hmm. Think about it. No, don't. Hmm. We do a little too much of that. <laughs> thinking, 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 thinking. Hmm. What I will do next, what I will do next, what I will do next. Hmm. It's not because we think we know. Hmm. What you will know if you can stop thinking and is something that, will, that you cannot even talk about or you cannot say enough about. You have to just keep talking about it to try somehow to convey the nature of that experience with the limits of language and and, and reason that others might share in it in themselves and what they are with you and, and join the celebration of being experiencing that I am beyond thought. Hmm? Beyond word, hmm? that's a very uh, what can I say? It's an incredible idea, hmm? and that's the beginning of real spiritual life. Only the beginning. Hmm? And we're talking about where it can go from there and enter into the play of God and be a player that solves the problem of our own source, the problem of omniscience and omnipresence and so forth. Hmm? Three things are involved there. The Godhead, ourselves, and Bhakti. Hmm? And Bhakti is that Shakti 
of Bhagawan. Hmm? That um, that if it makes ingress into our lives, it, it then uh, then that, then this makes for the union between ourselves and God a dynamic union. Bhakti means the mean the love. Hmm? Ultimately, ladini love. Hmm? So these are interesting ideas, and um, the verse tonight. Um, um, I'll, I'll speak about it a little bit. Krishnas um, has penned this verse himself, um, and um, it's one of his original Sanskrit compositions. He he uh, writes that yada dvaitam brahmopanishadi tarapiyasya tanuba atmantaryami purusho ittisho shamsho vibhava sadaishvarya purnasa iha bhagavan sasayam mayam here he has combined really two verses from the great Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the sequel to the Bhagavad Gita. Hmm? Bhagavad Gita talks about consciousness, matter, hmm? gives us spiritual intelligence to discern, hmm, discriminate between one and the other and know the, know yourself. Hmm? And to know yourself through the methodology most recommended in the Gita, hmm, through the, the exercise of bhakti, hmm? the love yoga, if you will. Hmm? And then and the Bhagavad picks up where it leaves off, so to speak, and and speaks about the love world that you can enter into, which we've been um, mentioning in a, a philosophical way, in, in brief, the play of the Godhead and so forth. So it's, it's very another very central book to our tradition. I said the Chaitanya Charitamrita is, is the most important book, but it, it, it constitutes the distilled kind of essence of the Bhagwat. So, hmm. So, in the Bhagavad, there are two uh, verses that um, our Acharya, Shijiva Goswami, our Tatpacharya, has built three um, treaties on, three dissertations, Sandarvas. Hmm? Bhagavad Sandarbha, Paramatma Sandarbha, and the Krishna Sandarbha. Hmm? So from one verse and one line in another verse, I should say, hmm? um, Jiva Goswami has given the whole kind of, um, we call sambandagyan, the, the kind of conceptual orientation that fosters bhakti. Hmm? Whenever we have a particular conceptual orientation, it will foster a certain type of action. Hmm? So he gives the conceptual orientation that will foster the action that we call Krishnanushilanam, hmm? the ongoing culture of acts that are pleasing to Krishna, hmm? that are loving in nature and wise in nature. Hmm? So Krishna Das's verse tonight, it takes these, this one verse from the Bhagavatam and this one line from another verse and combines them together and adds something else. Hmm? The verse, the verses and the line, the verse and line, they go like this. 
Vadantitat tattvavidas tattvam yat gyanamadvayam Brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti sabdute And the one line from another verse is Krishna's tu bhagavan svayam Jiva Goswami said about this one line Krishna's tu bhagavan svayam is the password for unlocking opening the program of the Bhagavad, hmm? getting inside hmm? and, and understanding what it's about and, and thus, thus having, having access hmm? to, the, the, to the, the play of the Godhead. Hmm? So, his verse, hmm? Eva Goswami's verse, or Krishnas's verse, as I say, takes these two together, combines them, hmm? and adds something to that. Hmm. Let us take the first verse. It says, Vadantitat tatvavidas, tatvam jnanamadvayam. It says, learned persons, they have concluded that the nature of the of reality, of the ultimate truth, is advaigyan tatva. It is non-dual consciousness. Hmm. Non-dual is a big word and it can be understood in many different ways and have different applications. Just like we want to come to non-duality, spiritually speaking, and that we, we want to rise above good, bad, happy, sad, hot, cold, all of which are perceptions that arise in the mind. For you it may be hot, for me it may be cold. So which is it? The answer is neither one. Each of those are faulty perceptions as to the nature of being, the nature of reality, hmm? that are just, that, that's a perception that's filtered through the senses and, and, and the mind. Hmm? We get experience through the senses and they relay impressions to the mind. The mind makes determinations. I like this, I don't like that, this is good, this is bad, this is happy, this is sad. And that's the little mental world that we live in. We construct an I hmm? based on our these determinations. I like this. This is good. This is bad. This is happy. This is sad. This is mine. Hmm? What I think is mine creates an I. Hmm? That I is false because nothing is ours. Hmm? Only in the world of our mind do we own anything. Hmm? Does anything really belong to us? Do we think we can keep something? We're renters here at best. Hmm? and we'll be evicted with no warning. <laughs> There's no renter's rights here. Uh, <laughs> you can't take it to court, your, your eviction. It will be served. And so, to come out of this small world of the mind, where there's some comfort to us, we get some comfort in that world, because it allows us to feel big. We're actually quite small. But if we come out from the world of happies and sads, goods and bads, the world of the I formed by the my, if we come out in the context of bhakti yoga, we see how small we are, but it's not a problem because we, fu- we come in touch with the one who's actually big also. And how is he big? How is Krishna big? He doesn't look big. When you see the depictions of him in art, does he? He's 
he's um, an adolescent, not even fully grown. <laughs> How big can an adolescent be? Hmm? Um, he's described as medium size. It's, as I said earlier in our talks, it's a term from the Nyaya uh, doctrines. It means not infinite, not finite, medium size, ordinary size. Hmm? Means like us, like our form here appears like that. Doesn't appear big. But how, so how is he big? I say you come out, you find you're small, you, you come in touch with the one that's big, and it's not a problem. Big means big by affection. Affection. Hmm? Affection is accommodating hmm? more than space. Hmm? We could drop you off in the desert and say, you own the desert. Hmm? That, that you know, it's a big space, but if there's nobody there, hmm? you could you would be might be happier inside of a, the hollow of a tree with someone you love and feel there's more space here. Hmm? It's more accommodating hmm? because of its affectionate nature. Hmm? Now this is an important point, and it plays out in relation to the, this verse that I just cited, which is part of the makeup of Krishnadasa's verse. Because the verse says, the absolute truth is non-dual consciousness. I said non-dual means a number of things. One of the things it means is, well, we want to rise above the duality of these sense perceptions that keep us in the world of our mind, which is a troubled world. Hmm? It's a very problematic world, but we we think everybody should live within it with us. And it's not even comfortable for us, so this is a very unreasonable uh, proposal. But we kind of carry on like that. So yoga is meant for taking us out of that. Real spiritual disciplines are meant for taking us out of that. Hmm? And bhakti, as I say, is meant for taking us out of that and in, in, in meeting us with another sense of the non-dual reality. Hmm? Non-dual is used in this way. The absolute truth is non-dual. It means there's only one. Hmm? Sometimes people say, if God were all good, why is there suffering in the world? One of the answers from our tradition is, if you're looking for someone to blame, you know, you're in the wrong place. Hmm? Because there's only one person. There's only God. So, who's going to blame him? Who's blaming who? I mean, there aren't two. But then we think, well, I'm a person. But, hmm, the nature of this non-dual reality, as described in the Bhagavatam, is that it is the energetic... And therefore, it has energies. Parasya shakti, it holds on this word shakti. Hmm? Shakti means like energy. Shakti man means, means energetic. Hmm? So if we speak, if we talk of the word source, hmm? Hmm? energetic source, shakti man has shakti. So, but the Shakti of Bhagawan, of the Godhead, is not independent. 
Just like, let me give you an example. I'm a person. Hmm? And my name is Swami. Hmm? So, you can say, I know Swami. And how will you demonstrate that you know Swami? Hmm? You would say, I know Swami, he does this. He talks, sometimes for a long time. He, he, he writes books. Hmm? He, he, he does this, he does that, and so forth. So how I do my, whatever I do, hmm? and I'm a public figure, so I'm not hiding anything. Whatever I do, I do by my energy. Hmm? Being exists. It's kind of a tautology, but being exists. The idea of existing implies some movement, some action. Hmm? Something's happening. Hmm? So the, the reality is of such a nature. Hmm? The idea in the Bhagavatam is it's one. Hmm? The, the existence is one person. It's just not us. Hmm? We are a part of that person. Hmm? And we have the potential to be a person hmm? in relation to that person. And, but that requires some, some love. Hmm? That, requ- that requires for us to be a person in the full sense. We're a person now, but our person is based on our attachments, as I already said. Right? Hmm? We think, I'm a person, I'm Polish, I'm, I'm from this family, and so forth. Well, that's not going to last for too long. So, because it doesn't last for long, we say, you're really not Polish. Because you last for a long time. Hmm? So what is the you then? Well, suddenly, it has nothing to do with you, the person, the Polish person. All that is just um, an idea, if you will. That won't pass the test of time. So if we were to take all that off of you, hmm? all that identification with the objective world, all of your attachments, what would be left? We would be left with, I am. I am not this, I am not that. I'm not American, I'm not Polish, I'm not man, I'm not woman, I'm not black, I'm not white. But I am, that's for sure. Hmm? But in order to be a person, we need an environment. In order to do anything, to be an actor, you need an environment. Hmm? The material environment affords us the opportunity to be a person, but it's an illusory person. Hmm? The spiritual environment of bhakti, on the other hand, hmm? affords us a different type of environment, hmm? a consciousness environment, under the influence of which we can be a person. In other words, we are a unit of reality, of consciousness, that is will be fully understood hmm, by understanding its potential in relation to two possibilities, two environments. The material environment, we call the Maya Shakti, the shadow hmm, of the light of the Godhead that we are a ray of. Hmm, hmm, the shadow or the full face of the, the sun. 
that environment. In that environment, then, you can be a spiritual person. You have the potential. That is the nature of the, of the jiva. That's the meaning of the word. Some of you are familiar with tatasta. Tatasta. Could exist here, could exist there. So we 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 are a, a part of the one of the shaktis of the Godhead. So in that sense, we are non different, and the Godhead is one. Reality is a person. It's just like I say. It's just not us. The false realities. We think reality is a person, and it's me. Whatever is going on in my head, that's what's really going on, and everything I see is for its purpose. And so, for you see how we kind of live like as if the world is a person, and it's me. Hmm? People are only relevant as much as they're relevant to me and my sense of self and things that I see. They're only have meaning and value as much as I give them value. So, but this we, as we know, we, we, we're explaining. Well, uh, nice idea, but <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't endure. So, but the, but but reality is a person. It's just not us. We're part of that person. So when we look at the side of the equation, where there's only one God and God includes God's energies, there's no one to blame for anything. Hmm? God's doing what God does. Reality's doing what it does. There's nobody to blame. Hmm? Hmm? So this is kind of the idea that the Absolute is, is, is a non-dual reality. And the Bhagavad verse goes on to say, Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavaniti Shabdite, although it is non-dual, it's known variously as Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagwan. Hmm? So it's you see what's being talked about here is a is a oneness and a difference, a unity and a diversity at the same time. I've talked about it from a, a oneness perspective. We can talk about it from a difference perspective. Hmm? Again, if, if if we are the Shakti of Bhagawan, we can interact with 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 the Godhead. So, providing some difference, and in Lila there has to be some difference. For love, there has to be some difference, and it has to be oneness. You have to have both. Hmm? To love, two must become one, and remain two at the same time. I know that isn't logically possible, but it's good that. That love transcends reason because reason is is rather dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so this verse says, hmm, "Reality is non-dual, but it's known differently as Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagawan." The unique thing that Krishna Das has done with this verse, which our tradition has done, that no other uh, lineage who is also acquainted with the text of the Bhagavad has done. Um, has identified this Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan as three faces, three faces, if you will, of the uh, of the of the absolute. Normally, it's thought 
These are different names for the Absolute. You can call it Brahman, you can call it Paramatma, you can call it Bhagwan. Next verse. Hmm? Not a very important verse. But as I said, Jiva Goswami made two wholesome dharmas, treaties, based on this one verse. Hmm? A third one based on the one line from another verse, which we haven't really gone into yet. Hmm? So, the position then, from our tradition is that what? That the Godhead is Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagawan, and these are three objective realities. Hmm? Like we could isolate them from one another. You think, how can you do that? Hmm? How could you isolate them? Hmm? If you could isolate them, hmm? The Gaudiyas in our tradition, they give a very simple answer. Well, there are three paths mentioned in the sacred text. Bhakti, hmm? yoga, means Ashtanga yoga, and Gyan, path of knowledge. And these paths are very different. They're very similar, but they're also quite different. Hmm? And because of the similarities, they all afford a transcendental experience. Hmm? A tra- that means a transcending of illusion and a knowing and an acquaintance with reality. Hmm? But because of the difference in them, the acquaintance with reality is an acquaintance with a different face. The face of Brahman, the face of Paramatma, or the face of Bhagwan. Hmm? So, what are these three faces, then? And how do the paths correspond with them? Hmm? So, Brahman. Hmm? Brahman is that uh, face of the Absolute that corresponds with the path of Gyan, of knowledge. Hmm? Paramatma is the uh, face of the Absolute that... Uh, it speaks of a kind of an, an omniscience, an all-knowing. Brahman speaks of like an all-pervading, hmm? eternal existence, hmm? eternal being. Paramatma speaks of a kind of a, that plus a knowing. Hmm? And Bhagawan speaks of those two plus a loving. The point is this, that there could be an existence that was unknowing. Right? But there cannot be a knowing without an existence. Hmm? There could be a knowing existence that was not a loving existence. But there cannot be a loving unless there's a knowing and an existing. Hmm? So, Brahman is primarily about existing. Hmm? Paramatma is primarily about knowing. And Bhagwan is primarily about loving. And we call these what? Sat, Chit, Ananda. So, the Absolute is Sat, Chit, Ananda. It exists. It, it knows. It's cognitive, luminous. It exists, it loves, 
It exists, it knows, and it loves. And and it exists and knows to love. It has it's a purposeful existence. Existence has purpose. Its purpose is to love, which is a which is a non purposeful purpose. Uh, in a sense, because love knows no reason. Reason implies purpose. Hmm? So, so, sat chit ananda. Hmm? It's not that Brahman has no no chit, no ananda, but it's that the equation of these three ingredients that the absolute is constituted of is is arranged differently in the three faces. So in the face of Brahman, the equation is primarily existence and then knowing and loving is also there. In Paramatma, primarily knowing, but being and loving is also there. In Bhagavan, primarily loving and being and knowing is also there. Let me explain that a little bit uh, to you. If I knew that I that I existed hmm, to the extent that I do, if we knew that we existed to the extent that we do, there would be no fear. We would have no anxiety. We exist now identified with the body, and so we exist with some trepidation that we might not exist unless we do certain things, and we are really involved in a struggle, Darwinian kind of struggle for existence. Hmm? We move because we have to, because somebody's chasing us. And why are they chasing us? Because we stole from them. Hmm? That is karma. You took, and now you owe. So off to work you go. Hmm? Hunters and hunted. Uh, this is the world. Hmm? And so it's, uh, however we color it, that's really the bottom line. It's not a really friendly place, so to speak. Everyone is involved in acquisition, we think that if I have, I will be. If I don't have, I won't be. So so we're involved in taking so that we can have and thinking I will be more. But we don't realize that we exist or we be, we exist in a way that trying to exist by having only obscures our being. Because we can't really have anything. We try to have it, and we try to make that our being. But it's a losing cause. So to stop trying to have, which requires taking, oh, then the fact that you be, that you exist, comes to bear in a way that's very fascinating because you, you exist in an enduring way. It's not dependent on the changing material world that's here today and gone tomorrow. You're the observer. Hmm? That's like, whew, peaceful, shanti, shanti, shanti. I can rest because I'm not resting. That mind is always working, Hmm? working, working for doing. And so my senses are active. And that... And my intelligence has made an unholy um, um, alliance with my mind and my senses. 
we say that humans are different from the animals because they're intelligent. But if you use your intelligence only to do the same things the animals do, then then what? <laughs> then you're worse. You're a very dangerous animal. Hmm? So the, the, if intelligence makes an unholy alliance with the mind and senses, in other words, when the senses say, I think I like that, the mind says, well, go for it. You know? Then the intelligence says, oh, let's figure out how to get it. <laughs> That's not what it's for. It's not for that. <laughs> hmm? It's for it's for saying it may feel good, but it's not good for you. So we're gonna we're gonna not do that. There are more important things. Hmm? Uh, reason is meant to take us beyond our animality and hmm? make us a real human. Hmm? And then, if we're fully human, then we 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 pursue something beyond reason. We pursue love. Hmm? But we need love to be wise, to be well reasoned. Hmm? If we are to if we are to go beyond our humanity and be uh, celebratory in human society, to become a saint, hmm? be celebrated forever. Hmm? This is you, you understand. This is what everybody is teaching. Everybody is teaching this. It's not just you come here and some there's some yoga thing with crazy words and and uh, you know complicated ideas and, and, and strange music and so forth. Everybody is teaching this. Hmm? That the, the ideal for humans, as I said earlier, is to is to go beyond the limits of your humanity, your biases, your prejudices, your likes and dislikes are all coming from the mind. They don't quite play that out and think about it in the way we do in the yoga school. But this this is and this is a discipline specifically arranged for this alone, hmm? which is again what everybody says. Really, at the bottom line would be the best for human society. But we think, well, it's not really possible, so we just cave in, so to speak, to our prejudices, our biases, our human weaknesses, and, and so on. But no, it is possible. But there's an, and some people living in caves or dressing weird like this, you know, they, they're on the fringe of the society. Hmm? When you transcend humanity a little bit, hmm? and it's such that it serves the human purpose, then you'll be celebrated more than if you entirely transcend humanity. Then I think, what use do you have? You may be a saint out there, but living in a cave, but what consequence is it to us? Hmm? Oh, it's a lot of consequence. Hmm? It tells you that you could live forever, hmm? peacefully, without being driven by the mind and the senses, harassed, oppressed. You could be free. Do we want freedom? How much? Freedom from what? Hmm? What is the bondage? Is it political? Is it Ukrainian, Russian, Israeli, or Palestinian? What is it? Hmm. These conflicts, these are all just the problem. These conflicts are all arising out of I'm Iranian, I'm Israeli, I'm Ukrainian, I'm Russian. Hmm? We're saying these are false ideas. Hmm? You, know, you have real compassion for the problems that arise from this kind of nationalism, for example. Hmm? Uh, don't think that you can get in there and work a peace treaty. That's the way the world is. Hmm? What are you going to do? You're going to solve the Israeli-Palestinian pro- Palestinian problem. That's fine. Are you going to are you going to solve the spider and the fly problem that I spoke about the other day? 
I said, I, I found a, a, spot, a, a fly in a, in a spider's web. So I thought I would save it. And then the spider walked out. That's my dinner. <laughs> what are you doing? That I had to freeze. What, what do I do now? How, that's the nature of the world, you see. Hmm? You're going to start, it's going on on some level. Hmm? It will always be like that. Hmm? Hmm? But you can end it hmm? by transcending it and be an example. Hmm? But don't expect everybody will follow you right away. Hmm? In the long term, yes, but it could be a long time. Don't wait for everybody else. If you hear this, if you can understand this, if you can resonate with this, you have to go then with that. You have to follow that. Hmm? Somehow, somehow, for why? Hmm? In unknown ways, you've been touched without realizing it in the past, in previous lives. And these kind of ideas make some sense to you. Hmm? Try, should we go to the Gaza and set up a little, you know, shop and talk like this right now? <laughs> Who will listen to us? But somehow you have a ear for that. Hmm? Hmm. You should give all your attention for that. Hmm? And what will be the result? In a very basic sense, as I'm saying, you will know that you exist. Hmm? You can never die. Hmm? You have no fear. Hmm? The world comes and goes, it makes no difference. The sun is burning out, what will we do? Now what? Hmm? It has no bearing. Hmm? How peaceful you will become to know, I mean to realize, the extent to which you exist. So. When we understand, when we realize the extent to which we exist, we have a knowing also. I'm talking about existence, eternal existence. Hmm? If I realize I'm not my body, I'm not my mind, that means I'm not confined by time and space. I have no beginning, I have no end. Hmm? You can see that could make you happy. Like, wow. Hmm? So there's some ananda in this, you see? And there's some knowing in this, because you know, hmm? I don't die. You know that it's ignorance to be attached to things that don't endure when you yourself are in pursuit of enduring life. Hmm? So there's some knowing in Brahman. There's some loving in Brahman. What is the loving? The loving is, I'm not taking anymore. Not taking is part of loving. The karmic world, the world of our material existence is based on taking. We think we have to have, and to have we have to take. So, because we're taking, someone is after us. Hmm? You took that. Hmm? I want I want payment. Hmm? That is karma. Hmm? So that type of life is not a loving existence, a taking existence. Love is about giving. So if you give up taking, there's some love in that. You understand? There's some love in that. Hmm? So in Brahman there is samananda. Hmm? I stop taking and I've got a lot of joy now. No one's chasing me. For eons, I've been chased 
by my own actions, really. Hmm? It comes in different shapes, this person, that person, but it's actually coming from me. It's my own, the, the fruits of the seeds that I've sown. Hmm? And so it's over. That false eye that I was pri- ty- trying to protect hmm, was the whole problem. Hmm? All my suffering came from that. The, the very need to protect hmm, myself doesn't exist. So you can imagine that's a big, ah, oh, that's joyful. Hmm? So this is the measure, if you will, of the ananda in the path that identifies with this face of transcendence, Brahman. Hmm? And this is the knowing. I know that I exist. I know that I am not this and I am not that. Hmm? But I am. I'm not this, I'm not that. Neti, neti, neti. I am, I am, I am. I am. Who am? Hmm? So compared to I am this or that, and that's a problem as I'm explaining, to know that I am is a be- is is some is considerable knowing. Hmm? It's kind of the difference between knowledge and ignorance. To think I am this or that is ignorance. To think that I am that's knowing. So it's a big kind of knowing, isn't it? Hmm? It makes all the knowing of material existence ignorance in comparison. PhD or whatever it might be. Hmm? It's all ignorance in comparison to just knowing. I mean, really knowing that I am. Hmm? So in that sense, it's a big knowing. And it's a big happiness because attachment to things, Krishna says in the Gita, is the womb from which suffering is born. And our whole existence is based on attachment to things. (laughs) So we're just like an embodiment of suffering. It's really pathetic. And we try to protect it. And turn it into turn turn it into something else. We you know, we and we have the burden, it's on we're carrying a heavy burden on this shoulder, so you know, our our joy involves moving it to this shoulder. That's better. And I'm gonna put it on my head for a while. Without knowing. There's a story of the fellow who, um, for a living, he, what did he do? Um, he was a ditch digger or something like that. He was always digging the trenches. And, and then he wasn't getting paid very much. And then he saw other people, you know, who had, uh, he, he was always hoping he could get more money because then if he got more money, he could get gloves. Then he could dig, and he wouldn't get. You know, it'd be like a lot nicer. You know, like, that's our the, our happiness is something like that. You know, you're so ignorant. Hmm? <laughs> so, so to come out of that, well, that is that is to come to knowledge for sure. That's extraordinary. Hmm? But comparatively, now I should say. So there's a path to enter into this kind of knowing, right? And, it, and, and it, the, the goal, the attainment, the stated goal of the path of knowledge is Brahman, this face of the Absolute, Brahman. It means, it means Brahman. 
the great and you can't say anything about it. You can say that it is. Just like you can say, I am. But I can't say I'm this or I'm that. All this differentiation and quali- quali- qual- qualification, it's all relative to the material existence. Hmm? So it's a qualityless, nirbishesh, indeterminate consciousness. It exists. Hmm? And identifying with it is a great relief. Hmm? In that sense, it's happy, it's, it's joyful, ananda, and there's a kind of knowing there. The way to get there, the path, oh, it's like um, the, it's, there's a method, there's, there are limbs to the body of jnana yoga, hmm? path of jnana. There is vivek, hmm? discrimination, there's just discrimination, introspection hmm? is cultivated, hmm? There's six six other qualities like peacefulness, sense control, equanimity. These are cultivated, hmm? and in, and what is harbored in the path of Gyan is the desire for mukti, the desire for freedom, the desire for freedom, hmm? the desire for freedom. Hmm? So you see, there's nothing positive, so to speak, in, in any kind of. Hmm? It's all like negative. I want freedom. Freedom sounds positive, but it means it's really negative. It means I'm going to get I'm getting away from the negative, and it's the preoccupation with the negative. Hmm? If you're in jail and you want to be free, what are you thinking about? Jail. <laughs> That's what you're thinking about. I want to get free from jail. Okay. Hmm? So, so it's kind of a it's a positive negative preoccupation. Hmm? Because to become free from material existence, that's, that's positive. I've given an example before. If we go from negative numbers to zero, well, zero is positive in comparison to negative numbers. So the karmic world is like being in negative numbers. Hmm? And Brahman is like coming to zero. Ah, I've gotten somewhere. Where? Nowhere. <laughs> Where am I? I am nowhere. And everywhere, I am identified with Brahman, and I am. Hmm? This is the path. People want this. This is the goal. So there's a face of the absolute that corresponds with this, this discipline. Hmm? This discipline is mentioned in the sacred text. And some people, and there are people that are pursuing this discipline. And if you come in touch with them, you can get a sangskara for this discipline and think this is this is realizable. This is ide- This is a good ideal. Hmm? And you will take up that, that practice. Hmm? Hmm? This is Brahman. And then there is yoga. Hmm? Ashtanga yoga. That's different. Brahman is... In Brahman, there's... In the goal, in the attainment of Brahman, there's no sense of any other. Just I am. You don't know there's anybody else there with you. Hmm? You've, you've kind of... You do exist as an individual, but you've you, you, you've merged uh, with with the with this kind of reservoir of consciousness, and you just pulsating there, aware that I exist. Hmm? But you don't know anybody else is there. Neither anybody else knows that anybody else is there. The feeling is that there's just oneness. Hmm? Difference is a problem, after all. There was Polish people, and there were Russian people. 
and there were German people, or there were different ideologies, I should say. You know, there was a democratic ideology, there was a, 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 a socialistic ideology, there was a fascist ideology, and so forth. Hmm. These differences are problems, so do away with the differences. Hmm. If a lot of people are playing like, this guy's playing that note, this guy's playing that note. They don't go together. They just stop it all. Just play one note. Oh, hmm. that's good. Hmm. So difference, materially speaking, is a problem. So we want to get away from the difference. We want to become one. Just be one, peaceful. Do away with the differences. Hmm. So there's a discipline for that. Hmm. It's a real possibility. You can attain such a thing. You can exist. You can know and love, but the existence will be prominent, and the knowing and the loving will be less prominent. They'll be there, but this, the, the, the combination of the sat-chit-ananda will be such that being is more prominent. Hmm? Now we go to yoga. Hmm? Astanga yoga. You know it has limbs on the body of yoga. Yama, niyama, hmm, pranayam, pratyahar, dharna, dhyana, samadhi. You know the angas, the limbs. Of, of yoga, Ashtanga yoga. And then there are, well, there are the, the yamas and the yamas, there's a number of them. Hmm? The do's and the don'ts and so forth. Hmm? So, this is different than gyan. Different um, uh, limbs, uh, um, practices hmm? that constitute the practice. Hmm? They're different. Now, there's a lot of similarity Mm-hmm. Two, because through the yoga um, discipline and so forth, you want to arise at arrive at peacefulness. You want to also transcend the mind, mm-hmm. transcend um, the dualities of material existence and so forth. So, and you will arrive at that. So there's some similarities, but the nature of the path is such that it it, it acquaints us with a different face of the absolute, and we call that paramatma. Hmm? Yoga is particularly dualistic in that it acknowledges another, the the the, the Ishwar. Hmm? If you studied Yoga Sutra, you'll see it doesn't teach that you are the Ishwar. It teaches that there is an Ishwar, and you can do Ishwar Pranidhan hmm? to the Ishwar. Hmm? So suddenly, another has come into the picture. In Brahman, there was no other. It was just, I am. You might even think, I am Brahman, I am consciousness. Hmm? But in yoga, there's another. Therefore, the great uh, Krishna Nama Charjo, who was the guru of Patabi Joyce and Iyengar, who were famous uh, yoga teachers in the world, he said, the goal of yoga is Vaikuntam. Vaikuntam hmm? here he means, in Gaudiya terminology, Shantarasa, hmm? the beatific vision. Hmm? There's you in samadhi, hmm? and and there's there's the the witnessing of the witness, hmm? the Godhead, hmm? who's omniscient. The Paramatma means that feature of the Godhead that is all knowing. Hmm? Brahman is all present. Paramatma is all-knowing. Hmm? 
It's thought to be manif- he's thought to be manifested in every heart, in every atom, all knowing. And omniscience that the Paramatma is characterized by. Hmm? I mean he exists, the Paramatma, but he knows. Hmm? He knows. He has a relationship with the objective world. He knows everything about it. Hmm? He's the overseer of the of the of the of the objective world. The objective world is manifest from the Paramatma. Hmm? He enters into it, knows everything. So this idea of omniscience is, is very much what the Paramatma is characterized. And yoga is very much about knowing. You want to know everything, even how your liver works, and you can you get there. And how you, you can get your digestive system, you can do it. Very subtle. And you can control the, the, the subtle world of the mind. Hmm? And you can get powers, and you can go places, and so forth. Hmm? These are all yoga ideas. Hmm? So it has something to do with knowing, hmm? comprehensive knowing. And in the context of that, of course, if you pursue comprehensive knowing, you also have to exist. So being is also there. Hmm? But in Paramatma realization, the knowing is more prominent. Hmm? And not only do I exist, and I know that I exist, and I know what I what what one know in Brahman. Hmm? I know what is ignorance, but I also know another, the Ishwar. Hmm? I know the Ishwar in a very general way. That oh, my source is just very attractive. I could just look at my source forever. We call it Shantarasa. Hmm? In Shantarasa, there's no interest in the play of the Godhead that we find in Bhagwan, that we don't find in Paramatma. Hmm? Or the qualities, the guna, the lila, the parikar, associates. Just witnessing the witness. Hmm? Hmm? So, but here there's knowing, hmm? knowing another. Hmm? That's not there in Brahman. Knowing there's another. I don't know him too well, but I know he knows everything, and by knowing him, I can know everything, and I can be peaceful now. I've come to the end of knowing, so now I can, I can be peaceful, and meditate on my source. Something like this. This is the idea. Samadhi is the goal. And so you have people in Vaikuntha in meditation. That is not dasirasa, that is shantarasa. Hmm? It's like to give it a Catholic term, the beatific vision, hmm? sitting and observing. And so there's there's a little more knowing, knowing there's another, and there's a little more capacity for loving, because there's another. Hmm? That changes the dynamic, right? Suddenly there's another. I can repose my love in another, and they could be there could be reciprocation. So the the, 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 the the knowing is prominent there hmm? Hmm? but loving is also there and being is also there and loving is arguably aspect is a little more developed than in Brahman in in yoga there's compassion 
Krishna teaches about yogi, says that the superlative yogi is one who thinks, experiences the suffering of others as if they were his own. Compassion is, you could say there's compassion in the jnani, but once the jnani enters into Brahman, who's he going to be compassionate for? There is nobody else. Hmm? Hmm. So, now we go to bhakti. That's another discipline. Well, bhakti is a kind of yoga. So why differentiate it? Because Krishna differentiates it in the Gita. At the end of the sixth chapter of the Gita, Krishna says, better than being a tapaspi, somebody that just does austerities, like laying on a bed of nails, better than that is the jnani, who knows a little bit more. Uh, Knows me as Brahman, is the implication. But better than the jnani is the yogi. And he says, better than the yogi is to be my devotee. I mean, I'm just repeating what Krishna says. But there's good reason for it. And at the same time, we should know, when we say being the devotee is being better than the perfect, being the perfect devotee is better than the perfect yogi, better than the perfect jnani, we're speaking about perfection in each sense. Well, they're all perfect. Hmm? Or there may be perfection within perfection. And now you, you can decide for yourself. You can choose any of these paths towards perfection in any of these three faces of the absolute. But I can ask you a simple question, and I think you'll, you'll get the answer right. Hmm? Let us compare one end of the spectrum with the other. Hmm? One end of the spectrum is Brahman. In between is the Paramatma we just talked about. The other end of the spectrum is Bhagawan. Hmm? So if being was prominent in Brahman, hmm? and loving and knowing were, were there to some extent, if knowing was prominent in Paramatma and being and loving were there to some extent, in Bhagawan, Loving is prominent. And being and knowing, well, that's there too. Hmm? It has to be there, but it's very... Um, it's not important. Like I said, if you love, you can be anywhere. Right? Hmm? If you love, then you know all you need to know. You don't need to know anything else. Love is a kind of knowing that is essential, and you know what to do. It's really the perfection of knowing. Mm-hmm. So knowing independent of loving is, is, is not the full face of knowing. Mm-hmm. So at this end of the spectrum, we have loving is prominent. Now in this end of the spectrum, compared to Brahman, let's look at Brahman. In Brahman, what do we find? That we love to be. Do you understand? I love the fact that I exist. Wow. I thought I was going to die and I was running around like a madman to stop myself. And I'm loving it. I'm loving the fact that I exist. So, on the other end of the spectrum, this end we have loving to exist. And then when Bhagwan is the focus, there's a shift. What is it? Existing to love. Now I ask you which is better? To love to exist or to exist to love? Which is better? Everyone has a choice. Everyone has a choice. So 
Everyone has a choice. I'm giving you the choice. Which is better, to love to exist or to exist to love? Hmm. Actually, everyone will make the choice. Well, loving, existing to love is better hmm, than loving to exist. Hmm. If you frame it properly, I think as I have, it seems more noble and, and more and and um, higher idea. And, and, and I want to love anyway. Hmm. That's real. I don't want to just exist. Hmm. Peacefully. Hmm. After all, when I was young, it was two things. Peace and love. Hmm. Right. Not just peace. Peace and love. Hmm. What if we make peace between uh, uh, Ukraine and Russia? We can make peace. Hmm. Make a treaty. Like in the Gaza, we make a treaty. Okay, stop firing. Peace. Okay. Is there anything more than that? I mean, obviously love is more. And peace is included inside of love. Peace is included inside of love. But love is not necessarily included, at least not in the very big way, inside of peace. I may say, okay, I agree not to shoot at you. You agree not to shoot at me. We would not call that love. <laughs> we would call that peace. Hmm? So, in existing to love, peace is included. Hmm? In loving to exist, hmm? love is uh, kind of there. Hmm? Part of it. Hmm? So, this is why Krishna says, better, better, better to be a, 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 a bhakta, a devotee. Hmm? Because who's speaking? Krishna is speaking. Hmm? Now, who is Krishna? Hmm? Well, now the argument has to go further. Krishna is Bhagwan, hmm? And Krishna is too Bhagavan Swayam. This is now the other verse, the one line from another verse that Krishna Das has combined with the first verse, Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti, Shabdhiti, to make, to make his verse and then to say something more. Hmm? So what does this line mean? This was the password for understanding the Bhagavatam. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. It means this. Amongst, within the idea of Bhagavan, the loving face of the Absolute, hmm? this face is most fully um, manifest in the, in the person of Krishna. Hmm? This is the idea. There is Narayan, Narasimha, Vamana, Kurma, there's Shiva, a little different but similar. Hmm? Um, you, and, and you look at them, well, you can say there's so many gods, why pick one of them? It's all good. And, but they all are, if they're in art, they're all depicted in different ways, right? Some ride on elephants, some are riding on a bull, Shiva's riding on a bull, he's got a trident, he's dressed in ashes. Hmm? Narayan has four arms. Hmm? He's being like loved reverentially and so forth. Hmm? You go through them all. Kali, Durga, all goddesses and gods and so forth. Hmm? There's a lot of, all the symbolism. If you understand it properly, you get to Krishna. What's he doing? Nothing. Hmm? He has nothing to do. Hmm? 
The problem is his parents, Nanda and Yashoda, they love him so, too much. So when you love your kids too much, you don't discipline them. Hmm? So they're very reluctant to discipline Krishna. Hmm? Oh, when Mother Yashoda tied him up, huh, then she, she traumatized herself after that in the Dhammadar Leela. Hmm? She tied him up, and she really only tied him up, some of you know the story, because she thought he's going to run away now. Hmm? I've, got, I've, had to, I've had to exercise some chastisement of him for what he did, but now he's going to run away. I better tie him up. Hmm? And then she thought, I tied up my son. What a, this is going to make CNN. Son tied up in the backyard. And, oh, no. So she ended up traumatizing herself. And Krishna would not take any milk from her breast. And Rohini had to intercede and bring them back together and so forth. Hmm? So Krishna's very spoiled. Hmm? Very spoiled. Hmm? Because of Batsalya Bhav. Hmm? The measure of that Batsalya Bhav. Hmm? Cannot chastise him. Oh, just whatever he does, it makes us happy. We love it. Everything gives him every movement. Hmm? She tried to chastise him. Malaram said, you've eaten dirt. No, I haven't eaten dirt. Oh, open your mouth, let me see. She's going to chastise him. She looks in his mouth and then, <laughs> what does she see? She sees the whole universe inside his mouth. And she sees herself inside the universe, looking inside his mouth. And she says, close your mouth, okay. <laughs> You're charming and extraordinary. Wait, wait, wait. She, she could not chastise him. Hmm? So, hmm. this, is, this is Krishna. How did I go to that side? Hmm. And he, he, he's um, he's Yeah, so he is he is he is depicted in these ways. Hmm. What what is being depicted here is a face of the absolute in Krishna that is only playing, hmm. only playing. And as I've often said, if you want to play, then you have to have some power. You have to have to be have the power to take time off from work. You have to have the power of money in the bank to fly in and come to this party here from somewhere or drive or something. Uh, you have to have time. You have to have money. You have to have power. Hmm? So all the gods and all the goddesses, if you study them the way they're depicted in art, they all have something to do. Something to do. Shiva, what does he have to do? He has to do nothing. He has Shiva has to stop doing things. That's his. So he sits in meditation. Stop doing things. He's meditating. Krishna's not meditating at all. He's just playing. The implication is, he who is only playing is he who is all powerful. Krishna's too Bhagavan Swayam. He's, in this verse, he's trying to locate in all faces of Bhagwan, which face is because Bhagwan is the loving face of the absolute. Which face is the most loving? In other words, which face can consume or reciprocate more in love? If I was to interface with my source, hmm, which face could take the most love and reciprocate the most? Hmm? There's Narayan four-armed form of God. He reciprocates with his devotees. 
in, in reverential love. They serve him. He's the master. Hmm? Just like if you had a perfect teacher and you love your teacher. Hmm? Like that. Hmm? But in Krishna we find something more. We find you can love like that. Kind of. It's a little different. All of the serving of Krishna, amongst the servants of Krishna, they're all tinged with some friendship. Hmm? And then there's friendly love. Friendly love, that's very different. How you act with your friends and how you act with your teacher, that's very different. Hmm? With your teacher, you bring an apple. Here's the apple. It used to be like that. <laughs> with your friends, you say, well, you know, you got anything to eat? Hmm? Sometimes they serve you, sometimes you serve them. God serving us, we serving God. This is a very different idea. And friendship means equality. Friendship can be fully realized when two people are like-minded. Hmm? In Sakiras, in friendly love, which is only possible for Krishna, not for Narayan, not, not, not that face of Bhagwan, not for Ram, hmm? not for Narasimha, Kurma. Hmm? For Krishna it's possible. Not for Krishna in the Braj, in, in Dwarka. But in Vrindavan, the flute player there, wearing the peacock feather, they're his friends. They they see him as their equal. Hmm? It's very extraordinary. And then there's this parental love I talked about, the Vatsali love. Hmm? And, and, and romantic love. Hmm? So when we look at it like this, we say, oh, there's more here. Hmm? More of the same, more love. But more possibilities of love. So on this basis, this face then hmm, of Bhagwan, which is the loving face of the Absolute, hmm, in our tradition, Krishnadas has concluded, this should be the focus. Hmm? If you want to know that your consciousness and not matter, and like your source, you are Satchit Ananda, hmm, and you want to be in the full sense that you that you do exist, and you want to know and not be in the ignorance of material attachment, and you want to love, hmm? then you should focus on Krishna. Hmm? Because the possibility for loving is, is extraordinary there. Not only is there another, hmm? but in relation to Krishna, you can know that other on very intimate terms. Hmm? So he takes this line, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, puts it together. He says, Yadadvetam Brahmapanasharapi Tadasya Tanubha. He says, That which is the light of Brahman, he said, that some people in Gyan who study the Upanishads want to enter into, he said, That is his aura. Atmantarayami Purusho Itisosha. Samsa uh, Vibhava. He says, and that which is known as the Paramatma, the knower, the overseer, the witness of the world, hmm? witnessing, sanctioning the force of karma and so forth, uh, hmm? all knowing, the Paramatma, sought after by the yogis, that is a partial, partial manifestation of himself, of his personality. Hmm? 
and Bhagwan. Sadaishvarya Purna, Sabhagavan, Sayya Bhagavan, Sasvayam. He was Bhagavan, Narayan, for Vilas, Leela, a certain type, reverential Leela in Vaikuntha. This is fully, that, that Bhagavan is fully manifest in the person, in the form of Krishna. And then he says the extra thing. Hmm? He says, and that Chaitanya, who this book is about, is that same Krishna. So this is a revolutionary statement in a time, and he knew it. So he says, so I made a controversial statement. Now I will begin to explain myself. Some of the explanation I've given hmm, about how, what is Brahman, what is Paramatma, what is Bhagawan, why Bhagawan, which should be the focus, why Krishna should be the focus within Bhagawan. Hmm? When we focus on Krishna, for example, when we love Krishna, how is Krishna's uh, realm depicted? It's like a pasture, forest, a little simple place, quiet little village, small place, small town, small town people, hmm? uneducated people, hmm? jungle people who keep cows. Hmm? The implication is they don't really know anything about the big metropolis and they don't read the internet. They don't have internet there. Hmm? They don't know everything. Hmm? But they're not ignorant. Hmm? Hmm? They think all that knowing is a waste of time. It's all extra stuff. It's not required. Hmm? Their knowing is their loving in intimacy with, 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 with Sri Krishna. And, and their knowing hmm? that I am the friend of Krishna. Hmm? For example, that kind of knowing has a corresponding type of ecstasy. That kind of sambit has a corresponding type, uh, type of variety of hladini, ecstasy, love, bliss. Hmm? And that who is Brahman is taking the shape of Krishna to reciprocate with that kind of dealing. Who is omnipresent, omniscient, is now fully facilitated in playing. Hmm? And the playing means I'm going to play that I'm not omniscient. I'm going to play that I'm not all-knowing. Hmm? And I'm going to play so hard that I'm going to actually forget my omniscience, my omnipresence, and I'm going to move. What is that moving? Hmm? This is called lila. It's very different than karma. Hmm? This is the positive numbers. Karma was the negative numbers. Brahman was the zero. Hmm? And now we've gone to positive numbers, up to 108 hmm? in Krishna Leela. What is the movement there? Hmm? Again, it's depicted like this. Why? Because it's a simple place, a village, ignorant people. They don't know the Upanishads, the Vedas. They don't know. Um, they're not preoccupied with these things. But really, they do know all these things and more. That's why they're doing what they're doing. Hmm? And the existence and the knowing seem to be diminished, as I say. And the loving is prominent. And again, when you love, it doesn't matter what else you know. Hmm? You don't care to know anything else. And where you are doesn't really matter either. Hmm? You understand? But, at the same time, a loving existence, hmm? 
And a loving knowing is the most profound existence and the most profound knowing. Hmm? When Krishna doesn't know that he's God, hmm? because he's playing that he's your friend, hmm? and really playing hard, and really good, he's good at whatever he does, so he's just lost in the role. Hmm? He is more knowing in that unknowing than the knowing of omniscience. Because we've said omniscience is a problem. Hmm? This is to go beyond the problem, to solve that problem. Hmm? And knowing is only as valuable as it informs action by which I become happy. That's the value of knowing. Hmm? And this is very happy Krishna Leela. Hmm? Hmm? In romantic love, in parental love, hmm? in friendship. Hmm? So, Krishna Das has made this point, and he's very artful in making the point hmm? through this type of logic, and also from, uh, he shows himself to be quite a master of, this, of the um, revelation and sacred texts, uh, which he cites, which at the time was the standard of knowledge for people. Hmm? So now it seems a little, well, you're quoting some old book from way back there, but then these books were the standard of knowledge and they're all about consciousness. They should be the books of today because consciousness is still an important subject. Hmm? What is the nature of experience? If I was to be asked, what is the most profound experience that I've ever had? I would say that I experience that's the most profound thing that I experience. I'm different. There's a non-experiencing phenomenon, and I'm an experiencing phenomenon. I'm different from all things. I'm not a thing. The best things in life are not things. Hmm? So this is this is like we're back to the start here. This whoa, and that's just the beginning here. Hmm? The head spins that much more, you can imagine, in Krishna Leela. Krishna's head is spinning. He's the fountainhead of all consciousness, knowing, being, loving, with his head spinning by love, by love, by the power of bhakti. Hmm? And because of the power of the bhakti, the, the intimacy is possible, which requires the forgetting that I'm God, hmm? which, which allows for the movement, hmm? that, a, that, a, that an all-knowing, and an omnipresent consciousness would be uh, would be um, prohibited from uh, uh, engaging in. Hmm? So he makes this very artful, uh, very very thoughtful argument, and then he will go on to explain how Chaitanya is that same Krishna. Hmm? So this is kind of the scriptural argument from the book itself. Now, there's also a way to make this whole argument hmm, in terms of modern society and modern currents of thought, of philosophy, of mind, and scientific evidence about the nature of consciousness, an argument from consciousness that culminates in the necessity of Krishna. I don't have time to make that. It's a long argument. But in the book I've written on these texts, I've made that 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 argument. Uh, some points have come up here and there as we talk, but basically, hmm, you make the argument. I'll give you just very basically, and we'll conclude from there very quickly. Hmm? 
begins with the idea that, that consciousness is different from matter, and we so we reason reason why and so forth. And there's good reasoning for it, and and then we we demonstrate that this idea is reasonable. That the consciousness is 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 primal and 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 causal. Just to give the logic of it very simply, well. Um, If I was to say, I'm dead, that wouldn't make any sense, would it? I'm dead. That doesn't make any sense. Hmm. So you see, to make any statement to, it requires consciousness. Consciousness at the foundation. So if I say consciousness is not at the foundation, that doesn't make any sense. Because it requires consciousness to make the statement. We can deny things, this doesn't exist, this doesn't exist in an enduring sense, this doesn't exist, this will be here today, but it'll be gone tomorrow. Hmm? But we can't say that about ourselves. Hmm? Because to deny something requires consciousness to begin with. So it's just that the foundation just can't really get away from consciousness. We are consciousness. So, so there's a good argument for this, hmm? reasonably. It's also intuitive in human society that there's more to us than just what we can think and, and see. Yeah? It's intuitive, and the idea that, I'm, that, I'm, that I don't consciously think about things and then cause them to happen by doing them, that's very counterintuitive. Hmm? It's very, it, 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 it's, it's illogical comparatively to the idea that consciousness is foundational. Now you take this and then you say, fine, that's good. It's good reasoning, it's intuitive, but does it hold up in terms of observable evidence, in terms of, let's say, science? You might think something is ra- rational and intuitive, but evidence, observable evidence may show something otherwise. So in the argument we show there is no observable evidence hmm, in science that mandates that uh, consciousness is not foundational or that, that, that determines conclusively that consciousness is, is just matter, is just part of the brain. There is no such evidence. So our, our premise hmm, breaks no, natu- no natural laws. Hmm? And furthermore, there is science to support the idea. Just like there are, science means we take observable evidence, and then philosophy means we, we reason about it and make conjectures. That's what philosophy is today, anyway, hmm, largely. So, um, there are conjectures based on scientific evidence that I'm, that consciousness is part of the brain. Mm-hmm. It's only physical things. There are conjectures. Mm-hmm. But there are also conjectures based on evidence to the contrary, to support what we're saying. So, we have evidence. It's not conclusive, because you can't demonstrate it one way or the other anyway, ever. That's one of our you know, basic points. But anyway, we have reasonable, very reasonable um, um, scientific evidence to support that kind of a conjecture, which is a logical conjecture, an intuitive conjecture. Hmm? There might be interpretations of science to support the opposite idea, but that would be counterintuitive and kind of illogical. So we're taking the one that goes in our direction, we get the logic, we get the reason to go with it, and so forth. Hmm? And then, lastly, there is observable evidence from the mystics. 
hmm? that consciousness is independent of matter. Hmm? There is observable evidence. That means that basic idea of mysticism is that I'm different from matter and I'm going to demonstrate it to myself. Hmm? And so there's renunciation, there's giving up of attachments and things, and rather than, as one might think, if you thought you were matter and that you that you 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 your being depended on having, by giving up things, you think, oh, you can become less. They become more. How do they become more? They become kinder, hmm? more affectionate, compassionate, more identified. They go beyond the identifications of Israeli or Palestinian and care for all people. This is big. You're becoming big. Hmm? Not in a physical way, but big. Hmm? Hmm? And desirable, isn't it? Desirable. Hmm? So, you and you study mysticism and there are different streams of mysticism and so forth, but they all have some correspondence. As I said, there's Brahman as Parabhan, Mahatman as Bhagawan. These are differences, but they have a lot in common. Hmm? The basic ground they have in common. Hmm? And it's desirable. So, we should look to them. Hmm? And they also afford what their inter, their subjective experiences, they say, I went inside, I realized I was consciousness, and I'm, I'm, and I experienced Bhagawan. Well, we can't like, okay, can you prove that to us? No, they can't prove that. But there is some observable evidence that we can look at, and that is what? That they've transcended the human frailties hmm? of bias, prejudice, attachments. This is very objective. Do you follow me? Hmm? Scientists has to be objective in the lab, but the yogi and the bhakta, the jnani, they have to be objective all the time. Hmm? Do you understand? They have to step back from the world of attachment. That's called renunciation and then see it for what it is. Hmm? And it's not what it looks like when you get too close. It means when you're attached to it, you can't see it for what it is. Hmm? That's what science tries to do, right? Step back, look at it objectively. The problem with science is scientists. What do I mean by that? Scientists are humans in white robes. They're humans, in other words. Hmm? Now here is a science, if you will, a method for going beyond humanity, the limits of humanity, for being all that a human can be, I want to say. Hmm? They can be ob- fully objective hmm? and transcend and become impartial. Hmm? And from there, if they do that in the context of bhakti, they can love too. Hmm? On that side, hmm? on the consciousness side, and that includes loving everybody here. Hmm? Everything. Hmm? And loving Bhagawan. So, it's, it's, uh, so when we study the lives of these mystics, we get some evidence. And there are non-theistic mystics, and there are theistic mystics. Hmm? So the theistic mystics, of course, we've already explained it. Hmm? The, th- the non-theistic mystics, ones would be more like the, the jnanis. They don't kind of see a god. They just become Brahman as they think of it and they experience it. So there's no um, uh, significant other there. And the ananda in the jiva, in the atma, is like the godhead is such, chitananda, so are we. Hmm? So 
the theistic mystic wants to experience the Ananda feature. They want to live, they want to exist to love. They've decided, rather than to love to exist, I'll exist to love because I'll exist and then I'll be the more. Hmm? This is their idea. And so the logic, of course, of it is that in order to fully love, there has to be another. That other has to be a consciousness other. Hmm? Okay. And of all the candidates that are out there, hmm, described by the mystics as their experience, Krishna most fits that description of what would be an all-lovable face of the Absolute. So there's an argument like this to arrive at the same conclusions hmm, that Krishna Das does in his time by citing the sacred texts which are in the philosophies of the time and so forth. Hmm. There's, a, there's a reasonable way in which we can do this in this world today to establish one that we're different from the self, from the body, and that our fulfillment in life um, uh, lies in the full expression of love for which there must be an object and Krishna is the best candidate that we know of out there that's been talked about out there that's been, and that means you have to understand the description of Krishna what's being said and why they, it makes sense to you in this way now from there of course we have to explain and Krishna does, does too how Chaitanya is the same Krishna he goes to that in the next verse so we have to get to that any question? yes You see, this was a little more boring because it's philosophy, but some instant, some good moments. Yeah. The theology is a little more exciting. That was let me just say. In the lecture, you mentioned Mahat that in love, two wants wants to become one, but we have different faces of love. For example, in and the love of mother to, to, the, to her child. Why, why mother wants to be the one with child? So could you say something more about this? Uh-huh. So what you're saying is that the, the idea that in love two becomes one seems to apply more readily to romantic love than it does, say, to friendly love or to uh, parental love. Hmm? Right? And I agree with you. I think that it, it, it does more readily apply um, to, to the idea of romantic love, which is the center of Krishna Lila. But it, it doesn't, doesn't not apply to friendly love or to parental love. After all, um, in friendly love we say, Kamalaksha and I are one. Right? Saragrahi and I, we are one. Hmm? I mean, I'm not in a, you know, relationship with either of them <laughs> in the, you know, traditional sense of relationship. Um, but they're my friends. So, we say, Karnam and I are one. Hmm? So, there is, this is an example of f- oneness that is required for friendly love. We call it pranai. Pranai. This comes in sakiras. It comes in madureras also. But in sakiras it comes before prem. The feeling of oneness. It's the feeling like with your friend, you can, if you are 
I give an example before. If you walk down the street and then you touch somebody, you go, oh, I'm sorry. Hmm? Or they touch you and you go, and they say, I'm sorry. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. But if you walk down the street and you're bumping your friend, it's like, it doesn't matter. You don't say, I'm sorry. Because you've identified their body as your body. They've identified with your body. You're just like one. So the, the, the more the intense, the love, and romantic love is, the mo- is most intense, arguably, the more the, 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 the love, the more the sense of oneness. It's also there in parental love. Hmm? Hmm? Practically speaking, the mother's life is the child's life. Hmm? Hmm? I was talking with uh, Ram Govind and he said, I've been busy for the last year. I said, what happened? He said, I had a son. <laughs> I've been busy. No time for anything else. Hmm? So there's, a, there's this... I, really identification with the, with the children. It's very consuming. And, uh, and so there's a sense of oneness. In, 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 in there's, there's also, of course, the difference in age and everything. They, they can't be the same oneness, but in it, it's, 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 it's there. It does more, as I say, admittedly, reply to romantic love. And this romantic love of Radha and Krishna and the participation in that is, is, is the central focus Madurasa of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Does that help? Yeah. Okay. Mm. What else? Long talk. You have to forgive me. That was just a brief, you know, discussion on that verse. It's a huge one. So, anyway, it's nice to sit with all of you and um, some new faces that I haven't met before. Thank you for coming. And tomorrow we meet again, as it turns out, in the morning. And some devotees who have been listening for me, reading my books, and meeting me over the years, some of them for five, six years or even longer, um, have asked that I give them the initiation that I will speak the mantra into their ear and and uh, give them, for example, beads that, that I've, for japa that I've chanted on to, to them, and this we call initiation. Hmm? Um, when I say the mantra, then it means something to me, something happens to me, so then I say it and uh, share that. It's like a, like a vaccine or something like that that goes in hmm? there. And then this, we culture it, it grows, and this idea. So, so we'll be we'll we'll we'll, we'll do that tomorrow in the morning. I'll give some talk about that, the significance of that, and then we'll and we we'll give names to the devotees and so forth, like Krishna Das and Ram Das and Radha Dasi and so forth. So most of you are familiar with this, so but it'll be unique if you haven't seen me do it before. <laughs> so we do a little. There are some different details sometimes to procedure. So we'll do that tomorrow. And then um, and we'll meet again, I guess, in the evening, right? We have tomorrow morning, tomorrow evening, and then Sunday morning. Hmm? And then we've completed. So thank you all very much. Shishi Gornatananda Ki Jai.
Gol Bhaktavrinda Ki Jai. Gol Premanande. Vivo.